Today on Clear Approach, I share a rather sad story that explains where the heck I've been over the past few weeks. And after that, we go over jet lag. And I share a couple of tips that you can use in order to make it not stink as much. All this and more coming up on the Mayo Clinic Clear Approach podcast, your home for aerospace medicine that matters. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is Dr. Van, your medical co-pilot, coming to you from balmy, hot, and sweaty Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, I swear, it is super hot out there right now. It's like watching that uh, new Oppenheimer movie in a 4D theater right now. But I won't complain too much, because I know that in about five months from now, I'll be complaining to all of you about how frigid it is and uh, basically uh, frozen. Now, a lot of you may be wondering where the heck I've been here over the past few months, especially after my last episode where I said I was going to try to do these episodes a little bit more off the cuff and with less editing so I can get them out more quickly. But I really do have um, a good reason this time, uh, rather unfortunately. Uh, you see, over the, the past few months, uh, this past spring, I've had the unfortunate opportunity to endure one of the necessary tribulations of life, uh, basically losing a parent. Um, shortly after the last podcast, I received a message that my mom was not doing well. And to complicate matters even more so, both of my parents live in Thailand, where we are originally from. Um, and uh, it wasn't like I couldn't just, you know, drop everything I was doing and run around the corner to go visit my parents and see how they were doing. So sure enough, uh, after uh, about a week, I found myself on an airplane bound for Thailand on what was supposed to be a, a one and a half week adventure. But, uh, well, life has its own plans sometimes. And that one and a half week long trip turned into a, a four week long uh, ordeal filled with lots of emotion, language barriers, heat, uh, differences in medical culture, crying, and eventually, unfortunately, even death. And, uh, if any of you have experienced uh, the loss of a parent out there, it's quite a unique type of pain. I'm sure we have uh, could all appreciate that. But I will say firsthand, uh, I was not anticipating how difficult it would be, despite all my preparation. So with that all going on and being off work for about uh, four weeks, combined with all the other necessary things in life that continued to go on despite things um, like this happening, Things like kids graduating from high school or driving tests or uh, kids getting ready to go to college. I haven't really been able to pay attention much to the podcast over the past few months. In fact, the only reason I'm able to do this right now is that I'm, I'm technically on vacation. And work, too, has been quite difficult. Um, getting back into the swings of things, swing of things it, uh, it takes quite a bit of time to undig oneself in medicine after being gone um, for such a long period of time. Uh, when I came back, I tried to just, you know, return to business as usual, um, but I found it was really difficult to uh, just do some of the basic things like, you know, just engage in small talk and take care of all the necessary patient messages I need to send out on a daily basis. I tried to persevere, but eventually I had to sort of take a break and, and step back and give myself uh, some real good time to process uh, everything that, uh, that happened. And I'm still processing that now. 
Now, you may be wondering, um, well, we really do feel sorry for you, Dr. Van, but this is an aviation podcast, so uh, why are you sharing this with us today? Well, I do have a purpose for this other than making you feel sorry for me. Uh, the reason I'm sharing all of this is to remind us all out there that, well, we're human. There is uh, a certain attitude that comes in flying, and believe it or not, it also uh, comes up in medicine, where we sort of feel indestructible, and we have to maintain a certain bravado or machoism, if you will, um, in the way we do things. And sometimes that kind of attitude can get the better of us. In fact, machoism and invulnerability are actually listed by the FAA as some of the dangerous attitudes can't, that uh, can get pilots in trouble and uh, even result in accidents and death. And it was surprisingly difficult for me to take my own Kool-Aid and to listen to myself and step back from what I was doing and give myself some space. So the real reason I wanted to share uh, my story with all of you out there today is to remind you all that it's okay to give yourselves a break. We're all human, and we can't constantly perform on our A-game all the time. In fact, trying to achieve that level of performance all the time and push yourself constantly, well, that actually could even be dangerous. In such a high-stakes uh, career or hobby, the only way that we can keep doing all the wonderful things that we love to do is by knowing when to say when. And by taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other. All right, so back to business. And I thought it would be appropriate to talk about uh, jet lag for this episode since I have such recent experience with this. All right, so what is jet lag? Well, first off, it's not just being tired and wussy after uh, a long travel period. Uh, that's what you call being my kids. Uh, it's really much more to that. And in fact, here at Mayo Clinic, we call it jet lag disorder. Jet lag disorder is basically a state where uh, your body's internal clock is not in sync with the external environment. So basically, let, let's say you take a trip from Rochester, Minnesota to London Heathrow. When you get to London, it's uh, 10 o'clock in the evening. Back in Rochester, Minnesota, it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And that kind of discrepancy can cause your body to go all to heck. What are the symptoms of jet lag disorder? Well, it's not just fatigue, believe it or not. There can be many other things such as um, GI issues, difficulties concentrating and performing at your normal cognitive level, uh, as well as troubles falling asleep, and even depression and anxiety. One unique thing to remember about jet lag is that all jet lag is not equal. How bad jet lag can be depends on your direction of travel as well as how many time zones you go over. It's always more difficult when you fly to the east, but that's because you are losing time in your day versus gaining time when you fly west. So that leads to a common phrase we have in medicine that east is least and west is best. Also, the amount of time it takes for your body to adjust to the new time zone depends on how many zones that you have actually crossed. And we estimate that it's roughly about one day per time zone cross 
that it takes for adaptation. So in other words, if you cross over four time zones, it's going to take four days for your body to fully adapt. All right, so that's what jet lag is. Uh, I think we're all pretty familiar with this anyhow, but um, uh, just because jet lag happens anytime that you travel across more than two time zones, it doesn't mean that it has a stink for you. So what I want to give you now are, are a couple of cool tips that you can use in order to make jet lag less miserable for you. All right, so step number one, use light exposure strategically. So light exposure helps set our circadian rhythm and also regulates the production of melatonin from the pineal gland in our brains. And basically when a light starts to dwindle down at the end of the day, our body says, oh, it looks like it's time to start sleeping soon. It secretes melatonin and that starts the sleep cycle. So you can use light exposure in order to adjust and adapt your circadian rhythm. So for example, let's say uh, you take a flight to London again and uh, when you get there, it's 8 o'clock in the, the morning, and it's 3 o'clock uh, in the morning at your uh, origination. You can use light exposure when you arrive in London in order to advance your circadian rhythm. Now, the light is uh, best if it's coming from the sun, but any bright light will do. So the lights in your hotel room, lights in a restaurant, and so forth. So vice versa, let's say you get somewhere and it's evening time, like, I don't know, 8 o'clock in the evening and back at home from where you came from, it's about uh, uh, 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, you can actually uh, wear sunglasses in order to decrease your light exposure, and that will help set back your circadian rhythm. All right, tip number two, use melatonin. So as I mentioned, melatonin is a natural hormone that is made by our brains in response to the amount of light in our environment. And it's very important for initiating the sleep cycle and helping set our circadian rhythms. And if any of you have been out in a grocery store or supermarket over the past 15 years, you know that melatonin is something that is sold quite frequently over the counter in a lot of different forms. Basically, you can use melatonin in order to initiate the sleep cycle, even if your body's natural circadian rhythm is not quite ready. So again, let's say you get somewhere and it's evening time, almost close to bedtime, and it's in the morning back at home, well, you can go ahead and take some melatonin and that will help uh, advance your sleep cycle. Now there's a lot of different doses sold over the counter and I find that most patients need somewhere between three to five milligrams in the evening. And it can take a couple of days for this to uh, settle in. I've had some good success with it with many of my patients, but of course you wanna check with your primary care provider first to make sure that this is an okay supplement for you to use. And yes, you can use too much and get overly drowsy the next day. Just remember that melatonin is really crucial for setting the cycle. So you don't wanna just use it whenever you may be tired in order to get some sleep. So something that I've heard a lot of patients do is that they will arrive somewhere and it's uh, morning hours at their destination, but it's evening back at home. They feel really, really tired after the flight. So they think, okay, well, I'm just gonna get some extra sleep right now and then be able to uh, uh, survive the, the later days, the afternoon and the evening. So they take some melatonin. Yeah, that's gonna make you sleep, but that may actually prolong how long it takes for you to adjust to the new circadian rhythm. All right, strategy number three, take care of yourself on the way to your destination. Now, I know this may come as a shock to many of you out there, but spending a lot of time on a commercial aircraft is not really the greatest thing in the world. And I'm not talking about the, uh, the smell of the lavatory, the quality of the coffee, or 
that person that's sitting in front of you that decided to recline their seat as much as possible. So now they essentially have a free business seat. What I'm really referring to is the environment, the atmosphere inside of the aircraft cabin. It can actually be a little bit unhealthy for some folks. What do I mean by this? Well, first up, remember that the atmosphere inside of the cabin is not pressurized to sea level. There's a lot of different technical reasons for this, and I think a lot of you are already aware of that, so I won't belabor that right now. But essentially, most airplanes, when they are traveling uh, at altitude, are pressurized to roughly 8,000 feet in altitude. So while you're sitting there and sipping on your fancy wine, uh, flying along to uh, Malibu, uh, it's like you're sitting on top of a mountain that's 8,000 feet tall, sipping wine. At that kind of altitude, even just 8,000 feet, there is an appreciable decrease in the amount of oxygen that's available for us to use for breathing. Now, most folks out there, they're not going to have a problem with this. But if you have some sort of underlying lung disease, like, let's say, COPD, or you recently uh, got over COVID pneumonia, well, this decreased amount of oxygen can actually cause some havoc for you. So you want to be aware about that. And if you have any kind of pre-existing lung conditions, before you get on a long-haul flight, you want to check with your primary care provider and make sure that there are some precautions that should be taken to make sure that you arrive in a healthy state. For example, some people will use onboard oxygen to supplement themselves in order to uh, stay safe. The other unique feature of the atmosphere inside of a commercial aircraft flight is that it can be quite dry. So in order to get fresh air inside of the aircraft, uh, basically air that is outside in the external environment is brought in through the engines and other uh, mechanisms and mixed with the existing air that is there. But at the altitude that most aircraft fly in, the external air is quite dry. So that makes the air inside of the aircraft also quite dry. And in fact, this can uh, be so dry, the humidity can be so low that if people are not very careful, they can get often very dehydrated by the time they get off a 14-hour flight. So I recommend that individuals be very proactive about staying hydrated if they're going to be on a plane for a long period of time. And that can include hydrating before your travel for a few days, as well as make sure that you get in some water while you're on board. You also kind of want to avoid all of those things that may make you more dehydrated, unfortunately, like coffee or alcohol. Now, for the final strategy, this is the one that I think is the most uh, important and what I found to be most helpful in my travels. Now, let's say you got to be really on your game by the time uh, you get to your destination. Let's say you got to give a talk or uh, do some sort of business proposal. Well, if you want to, in order to make yourself feel as good as you can when you get there, you can actually start the adjustment process several days before uh, your travel. And doing that uh, involves using all of those things that I just mentioned. So light exposure, uh, melatonin, making sure that you're hydrating well and being in good health before your flight. Now, I could go into a really long and convoluted discussion about how to properly time the use of melatonin and light exposure and all those kinds of things. But frankly, that's going to put you all to sleep, which is not really my point here. But hey, if my podcast does happen to put you to sleep and my voice is soothing, well, feel free to use my podcast as another way to reset your circadian rhythm. But I digress. So what I do instead and what I recommend is actually basically cheating. Uh, thanks to some people that are much, much smarter out there than me, there are some apps that you can now use in order to help preemptively reset your circadian rhythm before travel. And the one that I particularly like to use is something called Time Shifter. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. No, I don't have anything to do with the development of this app. I had to pay for it for like, uh, like everyone else. But I have found that it has worked very well, especially for my recent travels back to Thailand. Or excuse me, back from Thailand. So basically, all you got to do is enter in your complete itinerary into this program. And there's a small fee for each one of the trips that you enter in. And based on that, um, as well as some of your preferences, like, you know, how well you want to perform and how quickly you want to be uh, adjusted, the app will calculate all of the important timelines that you need to meet, like when to take melatonin, when to wear sunglasses, when to take a, le- uh, a nap and how long to do that for. Um, I was a bit skeptical at first, but it is quite intuitive and it worked great. Uh, when I came back from Thailand at the end of April, you know, normally I take about a week or so to fully recover, but it took me about two days. Now, one caveat that I will give you is that since you're starting your circadian rhythm um, adjustment a few days before your travel, in those few days, well, they can be a little bit tough. You know, there were some days where I was staying up for prolonged periods of time or eating my meals at an odd time. Uh, and that can be a little bit troublesome. So just something to bear in mind if you've got some really important things to do before you actually start your way back to um, where you came from. So those are my tips for how to beat jet lag. And hopefully if you can follow just a few of these small suggestions, your next trip across time zones will be to a land of happiness and comfort versus a land of suffering. Well, thank you, everybody, for your patience over the last few months. Again, it's been quite a roller coaster for me, but I am glad to be back. Remember, as always, that this is an offshoot of our Mayo Clinic Clear Approach teleconsulting service. So if you are a pilot out there and you got a question about your health, you can log on to our website. Just Google uh, Mayo Clinic Clear Approach. We'll bring you to our site. You can sign up for an account. And for a small fee, you can send our team of aviation medical examiners a question. And uh, in a couple of days, we'll get back to you with some advice. And we also will give you some information on how you can come and visit with us and get an exam and have us help you with your aviation health. Now, I know I've said this like 400 times before, but uh, my next podcast should be coming up quite soon. Uh, But this time, I actually have a very good reason for this. You see, like many other individuals around the country, this week I'm actually making my way over to Oshkosh for the EAA Air Venture Show. This is going to be my first time there taking all the kids, and I am super excited. Now, I don't know where exactly I'm going to be yet um, uh, in the campgrounds, but I am going to be camping in a tent with lots of fans. Uh, That would be the fans that kind of spin around in a circle and uh, cool you off, not fans wanting an autograph. Although maybe one day I will meet a fan. Um, In fact, if you are a listener to the uh, podcast and you happen to be at the show and you happen to recognize who I am, uh, don't be bashful. Feel free to say hi. I always like to meet uh, my listeners out there, uh, all three of you. Of course, while I'm there, I've got to do some sort of recording. I've got to do my best NPR impression and have, you know, some sounds of the show in the background while I talk very, very calmly and gently, um, soothing everyone straight to sleep. So look for a a new episode from me here in the near future. Until then, this is Dr. Van, your medical co-pilot, wishing you great flying and even better health. (music) 